0: In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by convincing many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not many days from now. So when they had come together, they together they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know. The times are periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, And they were gazing up toward heaven. Suddenly, two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward the heavens? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. That's about half a mile. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. The word of God for the world.
1: In the spirit of those certain women who gathered in that upper room with all the named men in uniting themselves together in prayer for waiting and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We're going to join together in the spirit of other women in the 1870s who put forth an appeal to womanhood throughout the world for a Mother's Peace Day that later became the inspiration for Mother's Day in 1914. But we're going to read the adapted Part of this proclamation knowing full well that our gender expressions and languages have changed so feel free to read any parts that you would like even though it's broken down into women and men don't feel restricted as we read together arise then women of this day arise all women who have hearts whether your baptism be that of water or of tears Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own. It says disarm, disarm, disarm 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 every heart every nation in the name of our shared humanity. Let us follow the steps of the ways that make for peace. Will you pray with me? Motherly Father, for all of the ways you inspire us to be more and more like your Son, Jesus, we give thanks. For the courage it takes to live from the heart, we give thanks. We know that in your love, in your heart, there is room for reconciliation. There is room for failure. And there is room for community to be born ever anew. And so thank you for this day, for all of the reminders that are present around us, in us, and among us, that our work of peace is the work of love. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you this day. O Lord, our Rock, our Mother, and our Redeemer. Amen. As we have heard earlier in the service, today is Ascension Sunday. How many of you have heard of Ascension Sunday before you came in today? Great. More than I thought. More than I did when I was growing up in church, I learned about Christmas and Lent and Advent and Easter. I got Pentecost and Sunday school, but until I got to seminary, Ascension was a new one for me. It's not a commonly used word in our vocabulary. And the whole focus of this Christian observance is one that's similar to the resurrection in that it defies logic and physics when you think more than a second about it. Because this is the day when Jesus is raised up into heaven by some invisible divine pulley and lever system. In the middle of talking to his disciples, up he goes, like that balloon getting released. If Jesus were a balloon, it's like the disciples let go of the strings they were holding, and there he went. And they were left wondering, gazing up, what happens now? So if this day isn't strange enough, it gives Easter a run for its money in the most bizarre, can this, did this really happen, kind of story. But it's the ascension of Jesus, along with next week's celebration of Pentecost, that mark the two events that formed the early church and then sent them out into the world with Jesus' command to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's not Christmas and Easter that formed the church. It's Ascension and Pentecost. So where are our crowds today, like Christmas? Maybe next year. But as incredible as it sounds to believe, this fact that Jesus rose up as if by magic, as if by spirit filled ascending. As incredible as it sounds to believe, enough people did believe that something like this happened, something like this changed those early witnesses. That they told enough people about it who also believed, passing on the story that we are here today, because enough people were willing to hold on. To hope and faith in the faith in the face of what is impossible, that we are sitting here being church in 2018. So it's an important day. Ascension Sunday is not only a hinge between the two scriptures, between Luke and Acts by the same author, it's also a hinge between the stories of Jesus' ministry, that is the gospel, and the stories of the ministries of his disciples, which is the book of Acts. The ascension pivots us and our gaze both upward and outward, anticipating what is coming and instructing us on how we are to wait in the meantime. As the gospel writer and early Jesus movement historian Luke writes to Theophilus, all of us who are lovers of God he calls us to remember the actions and teachings of Jesus as we hear about this last and final act of Jesus departing with a blessing and a promise that we will not be left without instruction but that promise is challenging to hold on to it was hard then As it is now, we live still in a world that expects proof, tangible results, that we're doing the right thing. Peace, prosperity, longevity, stability, all these things are what success in doing the right thing is often measured by. So thus we get the disciples' final question. Of all the questions I would ask, if I knew I could have one more chance with Jesus, this would not be it, but this was theirs. Jesus, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is now the time that we'll understand the ultimate proof and the results that this Jesus movement of yours was successful? The deepest desire to return to the good old days lingers deep inside all of us. But since the Annunciation, since before Jesus was born, Jesus has been about the work of bringing the kingdom of God to the world, not as a new political policy or bordered territory, but to take root within the human heart. Avoiding a direct answer to this question, as is classic Jesus, he shifts the focus from knowledge about time and place, physical, tangible things, to the mission that would continue as the kingdom of God becomes the people of God who receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and who witness to that spirit wherever they are. The mission is not about being a physical place and body and community with borders. It's about being the people of God. Borderless. Timeless. All throughout time and space. Full of the Holy Spirit. But in order for that fullness of the Holy Spirit to come, Jesus had to depart. Commentator Luke Timothy Johnson writes, that so long as Jesus was physically present, he was available only to those who directly encountered him. But it was by the Spirit that he became powerfully present through his prophetic successors. Jesus says he must go, he must ascend to God in order for the Holy Spirit to descend upon the followers. But I don't think it's a mutually exclusive going and coming. Because when Jesus preaches his first sermon in his hometown synagogue, he declares in the spirit of the ancient prophets their mission statement, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointing me to preach good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed. And that the year of the Lord's favor is now at hand. And then he said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So the spirit is intertwined with Jesus' self understanding. The spirit is the lens through which Jesus sees the world, guiding him in his words and actions to call people of God from all nations into a new community rooted in love and fellowship, and in the pastoral and prophetic presence of the Spirit that has been around since creation, when the Spirit of God brooded over the waters, over the chaos of the beginning. When there was nothing else, there was the Spirit. This is what Jesus knows intimately in himself and is trying to express this to his disciples as one last thing before I go. But you know what? Jesus isn't the only one in this passage who knows what this kind of intimate indwelling of the Spirit is like. And it's thanks to a unique overlapping of our Christian and American calendars that brings this person to mind. Their identity is found almost as an afterthought at the end of the Acts passage. This is the 14th verse again. All of these were consistently devoting themselves together in prayer, together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. After Jesus' ascension, Among all the people who witnessed it and then went back to Jerusalem to worship and wait was his mother. It's Mary, who at the beginning of Luke's gospel is the first to hear, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And who responds to this outpouring of the Spirit with Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. The annunciation of Jesus' birth was something Mary treasured and pondered in her heart. Her openness to encountering the presence and spirit of God led her to embrace the risks of believing and trusting in possibilities. Her vulnerability with God enabled her to nurture the vulnerability of God, who arrived in the miraculous mystery and reality of birth. Christ's life was contained in her own. From the heavens to Mary's womb, from the grave and then to the heavens again, Mary witnessed it all and witnessed to it all so I can't believe it's just an accident that Luke names Jesus' mama here. Her life bookends his in a way no one else's life could. She receives the outpouring of the Spirit that enabled her to give birth to this prophet Messiah, and she's present at the gift of the Holy Spirit to give birth to the church so she can teach those who are waiting what it might mean to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this Spirit who mothers a prophetic voice for God in all people through all the world. Mary shows us on this mothering day what it means to mother. In John's Gospel, Jesus creates a new family as he tells Mary and his beloved disciple that they are now to be beloved to one another. They are family. In their vulnerability, they find strength together. In their grief, they find comfort together. In their refusal to give up hope that not all is lost, they create community to keep alive the dream of God. And so in this new community of witnesses, commissioned to wait and that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, Mary can speak about what that's like, what it's like to be mothered by the Spirit, to have one's life turned totally upside down by the Spirit, and to find the new life and community that comes from being born in what can only be described as the imagination of the Holy Spirit. We, as providence, are descendants of this birth, of this outpouring of Spirit upon Mary, upon Jesus, upon all those witnesses who held fast to all that he did and taught, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled again. We tell this story to prepare our hearts, our minds, and our actions for the mothering of the Holy Spirit to transform us into people of God, the way we were created to be with each other. So as we wait, let's do so united in prayer, in community, in vulnerability, and proclaim together a lesson Mary, our mother, can teach us. Here we are, servants of the Lord. Let it be with us according to God's word. Amen.